Welcome to another episode of the Florida Culture Podcast. Soccer podcast for us, by us. We talk about the intersection of black soccer and, well, yeah, black soccer culture. What's, what's good, man? Got your boy here, Grego here. Got Coach back in the building. What's good with you, man? What's good? Welcome to me. It's good to be back, man. Uh, it's been a minute. Trying to yeah, find yeah. in these streets. Yeah, man. You had to, like you, you had no break. Because you was you was grinding like shit. Still grinding. Still grinding. <laughs> still grinding. Still fielding calls. You know what I'm saying? So it's it, it it doesn't rest. It doesn't stop. You know, as many people have definitely learned over this time period of COVID and, and working from home. We probably work harder from home than we did when we had work in the office. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's it's amazing, like how productive you can be when you ain't got to worry about you know whatever's going on in the office. Traffic, getting the work for traffic. You know, what I, I've been saying this like since since the shit got started. That I think that it could not be understated, like how how much better shit is when you don't have to worry about having to drive through traffic you just say hey you wake up you pop open your, your laptop and say hey i can just go straight to work you know you it, at best you might have to put on a, on a nice shirt for 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 a teleconference other than that you ain't doing shit <laughs> nah bro i just put a t-shirt on <laughs> i'm already t-shirt tony as it is so you know i'm glad that <laughs> i don't have to dress up in no time east side tony has gone full time when you can and you can poop freely. Oh, and then you you have one of your one of your guys from work here to your other job. Well, let, let people know who who, you, who we got on the show tonight. Man. Bring bring your colleague to to podcast day. That's what it is. Um, let me give an introduction. Uh, this is my homie, my coworker, colleague, uh, uh, little brother, if you will. Sometimes. Uh, this is Toussaint McClure. He is a program manager for Soccer in the Streets. Welcome to the show, Toos. What's up? Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I've never done anything like this before, though, so this is going to be kind of fun. Yeah, we're man. Popping cherry. It's good to know that we're popping your cherry, man. It's good. That's okay. <laughs> it's good. So, yes, as, as always, you can catch us on, on the socials, FTC, UTD. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And all of the podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor. Uh, I think we're even on iHeartRadio. Like, we're pretty much damn everywhere. So everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Make, make sure that you hit that subscribe button wherever you catch the culture and all that good stuff. But, yeah, man, um, Europe is back. And yep. somehow, it's like it, like it, it never even left. It's only We only missed, only missed it for like maybe like a month. And they're already back at it. EPL started back last last weekend. Bundesliga starts this weekend. I'm trying to remember when when um, uh, Liga starts. And of course, we're still on Syria band, so I, I really don't know. I couldn't tell you. All I know is they keep dropping hot kits and it's getting on my damn. Let me ask you this though. I mean, what's your feeling now that we got Weston McKinney with Juventus now? You know, you got the culture, man. That's that's the culture right in the heart of it all, man. That's all. Yeah. That I is that is the first ever American player at Juventus. First, obviously, first black player, uh, black American player at Juventus. It's like, yeah, that is a big they deal. Probably segregated the team, you know what I'm saying? 
<laughs> right, right, right. But, um, no, I, 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 you know, I, obviously, you had Andrew Davis back in the day and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Oh so, yeah, the, the jerseys, the jerseys in my closet, man. Like, like that's that's that's. We, uh, we got some respect on their name. You know what I'm saying? They definitely had some studs back in the day, as far as brothers. From the, you know. But uh, but no, I I think that definitely that's that's huge. Uh, just for him specifically, because you're going from a team in uh, Shaka that finished 12th, and they already made it, made it the point uh, uh, this year that, hey, yeah, we just going to try to get by. We ain't going to make no noise. We ain't, we ain't going to start no smoke. And whatever happens, happens. Whereas you go from that to the top club in Italy. Like, there's pretty much no, nobody about because you're going like, on, like, what? Like seven or eight straight Serie A titles, like yeah, like you basically got a a fuck up real hard for Juventus not to win in Italy um, this this past decade. So I think for him, if nothing else, it'll be an opportunity to learn around greatness, whether whether he stays there or not. And hopefully he can take that to whether he stays there or he takes it back to the national team. Like you, you're about to get a crash course in what it takes to be great. And hope and you know at his age because he's, he's just 21. I'm like, this is gonna be a big deal for him, a very big deal. Shit, I mean, like, bro, to be next to Ronaldo, I mean, at one of the most elite clubs in the country. I mean, in the world. I mean, if you don't take this as like an internship where you get to like you know learn from one of the greats, I don't know what else to do. I mean, like this is the perfect opportunity for him to, to just see like how it is to work hard, how to you know efficiently work hard, not like just to aimlessly because I think that's what's the difference between what happens here in the states compared to a lot of the elite level. Uh, clubs and in, in countries that do that proper training because like there's plenty of programs here in the states where they don't like work you to death but it's you're doing the wrong shit um whereas over there you know especially with ronaldo if you in his in his shadow basically you can at least see someone effectively work at a higher level because ronaldo is still trying to prove something he's still trying to prove that he can compete at his age and yeah. um you know if if McKinney can see what Ronaldo is doing, you know, on his downtime, his off time, and everything like that, and to see how it is to be a professional, because at the same time you just talked about McKinney's only twenty one, and you know here's Ronaldo in his mid thirties. This man's been all done it all. You know he's been through it, like you know he's he's been there, done that type of thing. So McKinney is also going to see get that the window of like how it is to be a professional at that top level. And At so a very top level. Yeah, so hopefully McKinney is using this as like an internship where he's like, okay, let me take my notes on what it takes to get mm-hmm. to that next level. Now, granted, you know, McKinney doesn't have a similar background to, to Ronaldo or anything like that, but at the same time, like, man, I wish I could be – you know what? I am next to one of the greats. I got my man <laughs> Toots right here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got my man Toots. <laughs> I hope he gets playing time. I hope he. I hope that he doesn't go there and just sit the bench for a year or two and then lose like you know his game, his game playing ability. That's that's the one thing I worry about. That's that's the only real tricky thing because like you never know because you don't know like especially like countries like 
Italy and Spain, where I still think that that the perception of American players isn't all isn't always the greatest. And I'm I'm hoping that they give him a fair shot. Of course, you got Andrea Pirlo, who starting this year, this first year uh, managing the club. You know, he he's coming in hopefully with new ideas. I mean, I'm out. You know, I mean, you're talking about Pirlo. That's why I'm drinking wine tonight. You know, what I'm you know <laughs> the smoothest player of of all time. That's why I got to drink my wine tonight, man. You know what I'm saying? Here it is. You know, I mean, like how, on the sideline. How, how many teams can say, you know what? Our manager could probably go out there and give us a good sixty right now, just because because he's that new. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, and he'll still like ping that ball around, man. Like he'll just spray that thing like nothing, and probably wouldn't even move from the center circle. You know what I mean? <laughs> everybody on the team on Juventus, you should just bring him the ball. Everybody, yeah. oh, here you go, here you go, sir. here you go, Mister. That was a great play. Bring pillow the ball. He'll pass him the ball. Bring it around, man. But yeah, uh, speak, speaking of uh uh. New coaches, something's been been bugging me, and I, and I, I didn't want to uh, use one of my two ups and two downs for that. I know we we were talking about basketball um, during during pre production. Steve Nash, uh, you know, got got hired at uh, at Brooklyn Nets, and like I because I, I thought about bringing it up last week during two up and two down, and it's just still been in my mind, but that. There's been a lot of people complaining, namely uh, Stephen A. Smith, complaining about white privilege for him getting this job. And mind you, obviously we know that white privilege exists, but this is actually one of the cases where it that's not even the case here because you can it's like you can go down a whole list of names in the NBA: Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, um, Doc Rivers, guys who who played the NBA didn't weren't weren't an assistant coach and then went straight to being a head coach. I'm like, yeah, like this uh this one ain't 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 the one chief. Like and given his body of work, you're talking about like two MVPs, kind of all-star appearances. I'm like, no, like I think when you have that type of body of work as a player, it kind of offset like, yeah, you you ain't gotta do the whole apprenticeship and be an assistant like yeah like we, we trust your logic but, well, and he also has been he has been like an maybe not an official assistant coach but he's worked with the warriors yeah probably offensively and with, with the guard with curry and so it makes a lot of sense that he would come because he was with durant as well and durant's with him yeah. in brooklyn so they already mm-hmm. have a good relationship and it just seems like his iq is like off the charts in basketball and in soccer like he's just seemed like a brilliant dude so even though he didn't get the assistant. He wasn't an assistant coach. I mean, he still seems to know exactly. What, I'm sure the players were happy about it. How many guys can say they went from working Bleacher Report studio <laughs> coverage to coaching in the NBA in the span of one year? But you know what? That's, so <clears throat> I, I have conflicting feelings about it, to be honest. Okay. Because one part of me, I am other sense of what Stephen A. is rapping about. And mm-hmm. I do feel like, um, not to say that he's getting keys to the Lambo type of thing. I mean, because mm-hmm. that's still a project. Like, yeah, they got talent there because really they haven't really experienced Kevin Durant yet. Yeah. Uh, 
So, you know, he's coming back from injury. And so, and then with Kyrie in the mix, and Kyrie is always a wild card. Um, you know, and as we were talking about pre-production, Kyrie is my favorite point guard. Um, he's got the sickest handles. I, I love him, but I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about him as a human being sometimes, you know. Like I go back and forth. <laughs> I will say this, though. He, he he gave a lot of credit during the summer. You know, Absolutely. With, I go back and forth. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's the – it's the the flaws and the the pros and cons of everything. Like anyway, but like it's still a project. And then you got Garrison Levert, Michigan alum, by the way. Um, Levert been balling without Durant and Kyrie, of course. Yeah. So the three of them, and I know we're not a basketball podcast or whatever, or anything like that. But <laughs> we are a culture podcast, and basketball is all the way culture. Exactly. That's all right. <laughs> like, here you have Steve is coming into a situation where he's got some nice chess pieces. Like he's getting yeah. set up to be successful. Now, when you alluded to those other situations of, you know, magic, um, who else did you say? Um, Isaiah, Isaiah, Doc Rivers. Some of those situations, there wasn't as many talented parts. True. You know? And so that's the, that's where that argument comes in that Stephen A is making is like, Usually, what happens if a black coach is given these opportunities, they're having like to a, it's a team that's like, prove, yeah, prove themselves a little bit more. Yeah, and, I get that. Yes, and what Seuss brought up before is like, yeah, Steve Steve Nash has been working like as you know, personal trainer slash consultant with teams slash guard IQ knowledge type of thing. Like, I mean, he he's it, it's not like he just literally. Walked Walk in. off the street. He went straight from the TNT studio oh, to yeah. Brooklyn. <laughs> and so, like, as a fan, I'm like, by all means, go for it. Because, like, Steve Nash, is, he was a badass. I always, like, he was part soccer player, part basketball player. That's the story of my life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like. He, Tony is the black Steve Nash. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Finally, I realized it. <laughs> oh, nah, but like, I like that he's able to do that. And, and he does have that just IQ of whether it's basketball or soccer. He's able to mix the two. He's able to see the interconnectivity of the two. And we all know as athletes that like basketball and soccer complement each other like so many ways. Mm-hmm. And so to switch it all back and forth, it's not really that much. Um, yeah, you got bigger fields and you have more players when you go to soccer. Um, or vice versa, when you string it down to basketball. But there's many concepts that transfer over, and, and Steve Nash has proven that he can operate in both of those realms. And yeah. so that, that like, as what, a team, yeah, I understand the higher. Like, I understand as a business standpoint and thinking about, like, the potential of what it could be, I get that. But my only argument is this, and this is the coach in me. Mm-hmm. Coaching me, especially black coaching me, knowing that there is that long list of brothers, mm-hmm. that them trying to climb that ladder right. on all those teams. That's a part where it's just like ah. And now, now at that point, I actually do understand, and um, because like, yeah, you you don't really get a lot of black coaches who get those. Jobs who are or seen as hey you're you're right there as far as being a contender, 
And um, now I will say this, because especially in those situations where you do have a big name head coach that, you know, was a Hall of Fame player or whatever, usually in those cases, they don't work out all that well as a coach. Like I think like that the last um, the last Hall of Fame player who took a team as a to the finals as a coach was Bird. That was like 20 years ago. So like it doesn't happen often. And I'm like, you know, you always have this that 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 conflict where it's like, okay, I can't teach you how to be me. Like I I I all I could do was just know I can tell you how to be good. I can't teach you how to be me. And you know, I, I think that especially in Nash's case, because of course he was always like an undersized guard and everything, and nobody really saw him coming to be as great as he came. That um I said that it'll be interesting to see like how he carries that, you know, as a, as a head coach. But um, uh, I know it's like late on a Tuesday night. Uh, You going for a a Nuggets or a a Clippers, bro? Yes. Me or twos first. I mean, I'll let twos answer first. Guess. Go ahead. My guess. I already know my answer to this, but go ahead. Yes. Bro, I'm going for the Nuggets. Oh, I really like Jamal Murray. Liked him, you know, followed him when he was coming out of Toronto and then he when he moved to Kentucky. I like that Joker, that Joker guy. I like him. I like those two, basically. And and I like the Clippers too, but I kind of was you know, I, I like when Kawhi was in Toronto. So I'm not like a, a huge I'm I'm a, definitely a bigger Nuggets fan right now than Clippers mm. fan. I I got to agree with two's um I've been going for the Nuggets the last two years. Last year, I was going for the Nuggets this year, too. I've been a big Jamal Murray fan. He is probably number three. My top three point guards, Kyrie, Ja Morant, and then Jamal. Um, and so, Jamal, I just like because he's just efficient as hell. And just, like, he has so many facets to his game. And, I mean. And he'll go boom on you. And he'll go boom on you. And he'll try boom. Although, you know, Kawhi got lucky with that middle finger block. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Kawhi the power got lucky. middle finger was real. Well, I mean, like, again, too, like, you know, just same thing as two said, like, Jokic. I mean, the Joker, like, I I like these badass white guys that are coming from these European countries. They, they come, they're coming from these Eastern European countries. That, 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 that they, wore, they, were, they ain't worried about nothing. Like, like, <laughs> I have my house blown up, cuz. Like, this ain't shit. Jokers is like, I'll drain it from you from 33 out. And at the same time, I'll give you this little shimmy and fade away on your ass. And I'll get a little quick dunk. They'll do those little quick dunks. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and, and behind the back, if you're passing, you'll drop a dime on you real quick. I don't know. I like the combination of him, Jamal. I'm not a big Michael Porter fan. I've never been a big Michael Porter Jr. fan. Come well, he's light skin, man. Like, he's super light skin. He's super <laughs> light skin. I love that. But. <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of his coming out of high school when he was at Missouri. You know, he played what? Three again, games, played three games, games. I think after he, he messed up his back, um, you know, coming out of Missouri and then he went to the league and he still has injury. injury. And I'm glad to see, you know, his trajectory and he's overcome all those obstacles. Right. I just, I'm just, i not a big fan of his game. And I go, I argue with my brother all the time about this. I just, he's just not my cup of tea. Um, mm. But at the same time, like, that's another valuable piece when you're making these runs uh in the playoffs although they're down by nine right now i see um but uh time out, time out. no disrespect to in case lou wills is listening like no 
Lemon and Pepper Lou trademark. Lemon and Pepper Lou trademark. So, here's the thing, you know, me and Seuss always talk about Lou Will because both me and Seuss are Georgia boys, you know, growing up mm. here, really. And uh, we always talk about how Lou Will is the best Georgia player ever type of thing. And I um, saw for sure. I mean, not, well, Walt Frazier is obviously in that conversation. Of course, Dominique. You know, I mean, like, you, we can get to these conversations, but. Vincent Banks, but you know, yeah, Vincent. But he didn't make it pro, but he was. We're gonna, we're gonna need a, a basketball, make a new basketball podcast, a culture versus basketball. <laughs> like, yeah, <clears throat> I know anyway, how that goes. Who is one of our players? One of our favorite players that we always talk about. Uh, so we got, we got to show some respect, even though, you know. Well, um, not really him right now. <laughs> y'all stupid, but yeah, man. Uh, yeah, EPL started this this weekend. Um, Arsenal actually still looks good, and they, they won three nil over the weekend. Ringo was talking about it on his um on his socials like, yeah, if we need to like shut down the season like right now, like it, it don't get no better than this for Arsenal. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I think I, I caught oh no the Liverpool game against Leeds. Like first of all, of course, welcome back Leeds and everything. Yeah, they can't, they can't, they can't for real. Yeah, look, look. Leeds is coming back from the grave, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, that coach is awesome. And no, no, no. like their their um their first uh, goal was scored by a former MLS player, uh, Jack Harrison, uh, played at uh, NYCFC, and like hmm. so, Debbie has had a little bit of uh, MLS flavor up up, up in uh, that game. But yeah, like that. First of all. I think that there's definitely going to be a little bit of a hangover. I think for for Liverpool, and we're going to go go over that in um in our top four predictions um for the leagues and everything. But uh, I think that if the investment is there for Leeds, they actually they, if they play that good the whole way, they might shock some people. Like, well, I, 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 I think, and Jurgen Klopp kind of, I saw an interview he was talking about before a game, and it might have been on, you know, the Premier League uh, show before. Mm-hmm. And the tough thing about when you have teams that are promoted, you know, to the next level, it, it's hard to play against them because, yeah, you got tape on them from the previous season. Mm-hmm. But, of course, there's a lot of parts that haven't been part of it. And it's, it's hard to have hard. money. It, it, it's also like, you know, in the major leagues, like when a, a guy who a pitcher is going up against a, a batter who's never been up before and they're like, I don't know how to pitch to this dude. And next thing you know, the dude hits a homer on his debut. You know what I'm saying? It's because right. they don't know how to pitch to him. Um, the same thing, I think. Well, not the same thing, but a similar situation where, you know, a promoted team like Leeds, um, it's hard to really gauge how to play against them type of thing. Right. And then on top of that, you know, obviously mm-hmm. with the COVID area with no fans and everything like that. And you're dealing with the hangover of winning the league and everything. Uh, it's, it makes it a little bit more challenging than you would typically think like, oh, okay, here's Liverpool. They should shut them down. Like it should be a shutout slash ass whooping. Wasn't the case at all. No, not even close. Like, 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 yeah, Liverpool did. They actually didn't even win until like like close to the end of the game, like with a, with a um, with a penalty. And yeah. you know, luckily for them, you know, they didn't have to worry about you know going through that draw and be like, "Hi, ah, you threw to a, uh, a a promoter team." But I mean, I, I think especially for those who know the history, Leeds isn't just an ordinary 
promoted team. Like they got history. They got they got some clout in this game, especially in England. So you gotta put some respect on their name. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like, and of course our our boys, um, we uh we got we got the week off because we played uh in uh Europa League semis. Like, first of all, the fact that we gave up uh we lost to Sevilla. That still kind of ticks me off. But you know what actually t- t- ticks me off? Why, why did that tick you off? <laughs> we had it and we lost it. But you know what actually? What actually? Uh, is, I find even crazier. Did you watch the uh, Europa League final? I did not. Okay, so uh, Lukaku, of course, he he, uh, he scored an opener for for. Yeah, uh, that, okay, I remember, yeah, yeah. My phone was. Listen off like crazy. Everybody, oh my god, this is the greatest game instant class ever. Right, right. And then, off, and then he, that group, it was going off like crazy. I think like everybody's like, this is the greatest game ever, instant <laughs> classic. And I'm looking at like that <laughs> was a tight game. <laughs> only for him to give up game winner for Sevilla, basically with the own goal that bounced off his foot. We like, always have we always talk about you know him and, and um and his touch. It's like yeah, that that touch uh, it it came out at the wrong wow. time. Wow, because <laughs> wow. it would it wasn't even like in his own like, six. Too. Yeah, it literally just bounced off his foot. Yeah, it was unlucky. His body wasn't facing the right the right direction. Yeah. Like it, he, he's looking one way, his foot's over here planted in the ground. It's like bonk right up. <laughs> And and Sevilla wins. I think like shit. They, I think they won like what six Europa leagues. And, like most of them have been like in the last like ten, that's, twelve years, something like that. Like that's their move. They, they, they know how to win Europa League. They just they don't win shit else. Hey man, they win trophies, man. Hey, yeah. that's, hey, that's more than a lot of other Premier League teams and other type of league teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but uh, what uh, did you catch any games uh, recently too? Did I catch any of the, the recent games you're talking about? Yeah, anything yeah. recent over the weekend? I watched. I kind of like went in and out of the Liverpool game. Um, I thought it was a good game. I, mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I like. I re, I'm an Arsenal fan, but I definitely respect Liverpool. I've always respected Liverpool, and I like the I like Klopp. I like the players that are on the team. I like the way they play. I love Firmino. I think he might be my or, or Salah. You know, and like, like the haircut. Like, like them all, like I didn't, you know, the, the left and the right backs, how, how high they get. I like, I just like the the system of play, and um, so yeah, I watched a little bit of that game, and I think that's the only game I, I can remember watching. Yeah, like it, it was kind of weird for me because like I, I was trying to find as many games as I could, and of course that they got this weird thing now where it's like, of course you still have NBC Sports Gold, but then now you yo, have Peacock. Peacock, and I'm like, yeah. yo. I need everybody to stop with these damn streaming services. I'm getting tired of shit, man. Yo, right. no, because I'm gonna tell you like this. It's yeah. simple. Why are they making this? This is some millennial shit. That's some millennial decision shit, bro. Like, yeah, like, let's. <laughs> I'll put you like this. Um, over the summer, I tried all the streaming services. I did uh, YouTube TV. I did Sling. I did Fubo. I did. It was one called Philo. Like I, I tried them all. Oh, speaking of which, uh, Grego, I might have to make the Mulan purchase on the Disney account. Just let you know. <laughs> you know what? Sorry, but no, like I'm just sorry. I, I got dad right now. I, 
But uh, you cash out that shit. $30 for that shit. <laughs> it's worth it. Mulan? That's worth it. Third, yo, you, you wouldn't even pay that much in the movie theater if it was just you. You just that hungry. But no. Nah. But, uh, <laughs> but no, like, you, I, it got to the point where I said, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to go back to cable and do AT&T only to realize that their cable service is basically just streaming now. It's like, well, shit. So, but at least I got all my channels I need. I, I got, uh, I, I did AT&T, then I added on Fanatis. So if, for those of you who want to do like Gold TV and BN Sports, um, and but you already have like your main uh, streaming service, uh, check out Fanatis. That's that's a, a good place to uh, to check out and everything. But um, but yeah, uh, of course. You got CBS All Access, NBC Sports Gold. I, thankfully, I, I got to worry about BRL Live anymore because that shit was garbage anyway. Um, ESPN Plus, of course, they got Bundesliga they get uh, this year. So, like, I think they should just go ahead and just have their own standalone channel, like actually on TV. But I've I've asked that question a few times to uh, the World Soccer Talk guys. But um, but yeah, like. Streaming service is just—it's ridiculous at this it, point. I'm, I'm tired of that shit, man. Like, I—I I don't know. I, I sound like an old man in a rocking chair. No, I—I I, I think you're—I think you're dead on. Cause like I had—I had a conversation up in the culture chat um like a week or so ago, and it's like it's—it's it's weird. Cause like if you're a football fan or a basketball fan, of course you you have League Pass and you have uh, Red Zone, but that's all you really have to worry about. Whereas like if you're a yeah. soccer fan and you want to follow all the leagues that you want to follow, you're probably spending a good 60, 50, 60 bucks just on, Ooh. on soccer. I just had an idea. What you got, man? The equivalent of red zone for soccer would be the 18. Anytime a team is within the 18. <laughs> oh, <laughs> bars. Bars. <laughs> yo, I'm, t- I'm pitching this idea, yo. The 18. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> the 18. Actually, actually um, now that I think about it, kicks. <laughs> um, for those of you who who uh, listen to the World Soccer Talk Show on podcast, I think they have a like a like a package type of deal where like it's like ESPN Plus, uh, CBS All Access, um, and a couple other uh, packages. And like basically, if you're a soccer fan and you want to get like your whole fix, like they have like all the services bundled together for like twenty five bucks. I have to see if it's still up up, up on there. If uh, if it is, we'll share it on the socials. But um, but yeah. Uh, so we got EPL that started, Bundesliga that started. Like, who are you guys liking so far? Who do you guys think will be good this year? You know, for England, Spain, Germany. Man United, baby. <laughs> you know. I, I was I was I was feeling kind of confident about that until I saw that Spurs might get the this left back out of uh, yo, Real Madrid, and I'm I like, never, yo. I was like, Shh. and I'm like, the left back not gonna do nothing. The left back hey, not gonna do nothing. Hey, we need we need we need hey, that back hey, on hey, out. Hey, 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 that, uh, a left back is one of the. He's not Nah, he's good, but he just gonna run up and down. Pat, he's uh, he's cool. He's cool. <laughs> <laughs> He's not gonna make the difference, though. Like you know, no, no, hey, no, ever no, made right. a difference? Ever made a difference? <laughs> ever made it? Hey, ever did it? 
all right, since I'm glad you, you put some respect in the name, bro. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, ever, I can't say nothing about ever. Nothing at all. And Definitely. he was a Juventus player, too. Mm, and he was a what? You said what? I'm saying, and he was a Juventus player, too, for a minute. Too, so. Yeah, yeah. It took, yeah. They went to the, to the Champions League final with him, so yeah. yeah. So, uh, but um, so I think, uh, you know, as far as, like, Premier League stuff, um, you know, we, we talked about it on the past show with, like, when we had Cab on the show. And I, I still kind of stay grounded in what we initially stated as far as Liverpool's expectations, I think their time was last year. This mm-hmm. year, I think they've kind of aged out. I don't think they're going to be at that level that we saw this past season the season before. Um, yeah. You know, I, obviously on paper, the scariest team is still Chelsea. I mean, with all the signings that they got, I mean, they still didn't bother to sign a new keeper, which obviously and, yeah, and that's going to be interesting. How the keeper decision goes, that's that's really going to tilt the table. But I mean, I feel like how are you guys going to say they've signed a keeper before Thiago Silva? They signed because because Kepa still how old is Thiago Silva? How old is Thiago Silva? Twenty one ish. He looks twenty one. He looks twenty one. But no, Thiago Silva is one of the best defenders of all time. So it's 35. He's, years old. he's perfect. He's like 145 years old. He's perfect. Dude. Let me get my jersey. Let me get my jersey. Dude, don't look up. I don't want Thiago Silva. He's like 85 years old. And you get fooled by the baby face. Yeah. Don't be fooled by the baby face. You get fooled by the baby face. <laughs> you get fooled by the baby face. <laughs> but no, don't speaking of science. He's like 35 years old, bro. He is. But he takes care. He takes care of him. He's a, a, the ultimate professional. He takes care and everything. But now, speaking of signings, uh, how you feel about your boys? You finally got um, uh, a bombing signed. Three years, man. Yeah, yeah, that's big. That's definitely big. We still need We still need some center mids, though. Okay. Still, I mean, y'all I, always need something. Y'all always need yeah. And y'all still haven't sold Ozil yet, so... You know, yeah, also should have should have been the focal point, but now it's almost nah, too late. No, hey, y'all, don't get pulled by two. It's really his favorite team is PSG. So really, what you need to be asking him? I have teams in each league: Arsenal, PSG, Napoli, two. and Madrid. Two. You're a bigger PSG fan than anything else. Nah, I was. Mm, I started off Arsenal fan. I liked them a lot up until Wenger left, and I still like Arsenal, but not as much. I'm a Madrid fan first now. Okay. Who are you having during COVID? Dude, who you <laughs> I, like, I love PSG. I love PSG, but Madrid. Madrid. Ago, you were like, ah, PSG is realist. They're going to win Champions League. Blah, blah, blah. Da, 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 I thought they were going to win Champions League. I thought, I thought they were at that time better. Then, then Byron was like, look here. I'm going to show y'all how to do this, son. That's and what Byron they, 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 <laughs> they got embarrassed so much that Neymar switched to, from Nike to Puma. Name on Nike. I'm a Puma. <laughs> I'm trying to be Pele. I'm gonna be Maradona all in one. Shit, I need to get these kings on my feet. <laughs> I can't beat Byron. It, it did look kind of clean, but then, but then, oh oh, before we go on break, yeah, uh, PSG and, and uh, Marseille, the monkey co- um um uh, comment that led to a nasty old fight. What do we know? I don't. I mean, everything. I haven't. I, so, everything I'm hearing 
allegedly, allegedly. I don't know. Always allegedly. But like, so Neymar, the, um, he smacked uh, the Marseille player. I think it's um, Alvaro. I have to look it up real quick. Uh, Alvaro Gonzalez. And uh, when Alvaro, you know, reacted, like he said, like, you know, some little monkey little shit and everything. And, and Neymar caught that. Then next thing you know, everybody start start going crazy. And Neymar gets sent off, and it's like it's 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 always wild, like how, uh, when you have those type of incidents, it's like you're sending off this guy for reacting. I'm like, no, like you need to take this shit more seriously. Like, hey, if if it's within earshot, you need like you got to roll too, and. You know, we we had to dust it off. Like it's been a little while since we had to use it in Europe, but that racism counter is right now at two days. Yeah, bro, it's gonna keep on going. I mean, the fact that like, yeah, we don't have fans in the stands, um, still doesn't matter. It don't matter. Although Germany is about to have fans back in the stands pretty soon. So, so. yeah. See, when you when you take care of COVID respons- responsibly, you should be rewarded with that shit. Like it shouldn't just be just because, like, hey, we might go broke without this shit, so we need fans. Like, no, like money should not come before public health. And when you're in an environment where people have to be around each other, you know, granted you can you can be you can take your precautions and everything, but when you're in a country that basically has 50 different um, plans for COVID and how to deal with it, I'm like, no, because like we're already, we're just about to come up, come up to a point with uh, in the MLS season where the Canadian teams all have to play, <laughs> all have to play uh, in the U S because uh, Canada's like, nah, like you either here or you there, you ain't both. Like, cause uh, I think Toronto's playing in uh, Red Bull arena. Who isn't playing the Red Bull arena right now? Uh, Vancouver is playing in Portland, and I, I, I didn't catch who where Montreal is playing, but yeah, like it, it's a it's, it's a mess, it's a mess. But um, we'll go on that. Talk about the home team um, on the other side of the break. We're gonna take a uh, quick break, pay a bill, get a uh, get T kind of ones and twos up up in here. Uh, we'll we'll right back. interview a twos real quick too. Hey y'all, it's Grego here. Just wanted to jump in before we headed to break. Uh, give y'all let y'all know what's going on with us. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to the Athletic. Uh, we talked about a while back an uh, article that we participated in with uh, Felipe Cardenas um, regarding the black soccer culture here in Atlanta. Proud to announce that article has finally been released, and I uh, hope y'all enjoy it. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Athletic. It's uh, at theathletic.com. Uh, a lot of great uh, content on there um, from all sports, not just soccer or in the United from all places. Have it already. At least give it a trial. Let you know what you think. Uh, we'll talk about it more next week. Um, stay tuned for the second half. We get a little chatty, but it's really good shit. Uh, more stuff with with uh, Tucson. And uh, yeah, stick with us.
S-T-C-U-T-D. I thought you said, oh, I don't talk soccer. I only talk basketball. We, we ain't talk about soccer. We talk about basketball. Am I right? Just making sure you want, you say you want to be on podcast. Grego, I try to get him to be on podcast tonight just for, you know, introduce everybody to the world, to my best friend in the world. But. Yeah, yeah just shout me out, bro. Just shout you out. <laughs> and we are back. And. Oh. What's up, TK? What's up, bro? Wait, 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 wait. There you go. There you go. Don't mess up, man. How you doing? All right. Trace, what's up, my man? What's going on? What's good with you, man? Glad to have you on the show this week, man. But yeah, man. Um, like I said, we, we got our homie, uh, Tucson McClure. Part of the Stock of the Streets, part of Atlanta. That's, that's with no T's. That's with no T's. Uh, but yeah, man. Uh, so get to know our boy, man. What you, what you got, Tony? So yeah, let me let me give a little introduction. So Tucson McClure, aka Tus, aka Mint, aka <laughs> Yoda, aka. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's an inside office joke. Sorry. Um, nah, Tus works with me at Stock in the Streets, and he's been working with Stock in the Streets for on ten years, and he's been grinding. Grinding like all the stuff that y'all see as far as like the publicity that we might get within the local and international news about the impact of what the organization does. This man's been doing this stuff on the ground since day one. And so, um, you know, when I first came on, he was in Vine City, I was working with him and everything like that in the hood. And like, I still remember. <laughs> The first time, my first day on the job with Toos in Vine City. And it was crazy because, like, if y'all know anything about Vine City in Atlanta, like, Vine City is not a nice neighborhood to a lot of people. above. <laughs> so, I never forget, I was parked in the upper street, and Toos was like, Tony, you might not want to park your car up there. <laughs> you know what the crazy thing is there? I used to live in Vine City, and, like, my street was probably, like, the quietest place ever except no 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 except for the one day i uh our my next door neighbor got busted for meth because they were basically doing their own breaking bad thing up in the crib like my quiet is kept like you would never know that this shit was happening it was like oh next i come home from work one day there's about like five different five or ten different um cops uh just hanging around the on uh, the front yard. I was like, oh, that's what's going on today. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty much how it goes down in in Bonte English Ave. But um yeah. Seuss has been, you know, one of my colleagues that has become a good friend of mine. So Rob on a podcast, he has a good soccer story to tell. Um, you know, he was not born in Atlanta, but raised in Atlanta. Played soccer all his life, played at, you know, the collegiate level at a high level. And so I want to bring him on the podcast because his experience, especially because it's quite similar to mine, but also with a different angle. Um, so, Toos, I want to bring you on because you're my brother. But at the same time, like, I want to give you some shine. And so, everybody, welcome to something. McClure. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you. 
I'm enjoying my time already. Appreciate you. Cool, cool, cool. So let me let me ask you a couple questions too. So, you know, Tush, you were born where? I was born in Washington D.C. D.C. You said what? Played where? No, I said raised where. Raised and I was moved to Atlanta when I was like nine. It was ninety six, right? Right when the Olympics were happening. So when I was eight years old, raised in Sandy Springs. Okay, Sandy Springs, Sandy Springs. So when did you when did you start playing the game of soccer that we love so much? I mean, I started playing indoor soccer when I was four, somewhere in Virginia or D.C. area, and I was a goalkeeper. And then I moved to Atlanta, and I continued to play goalkeeper up until around ten. You know, when I, the first club that I played for in Atlanta was called was the YMCA, the Windsor Parkway YMCA. And then after that, I moved to Concord. I played there from maybe like eight, nine, or ten up until ninth grade. And then I moved to what's now basically it was called the Forsyth Fusion, but now it's the UFA. So I was playing out there in McGinnis Ferry. When did you know soccer was something that was going to be legit for real for you? It was like about soft. I think it was either ninth grade summer. That's what I noticed. That I was starting to get, I was getting good because when I was younger, I was good. And then like seventh and eighth grade, I kind of dropped off. Really it was about eighth grade. I dropped off because my technical skills weren't there. And so I was basically cut from Concord. And then I moved over to, Forsyth, we were, we were we were at West Gwinnett for a little bit. I think it was West Gwinnett, and then we moved over to Forsyth, and I just really developed my skills once I was starting to become coached by Alfonso. And I was playing with a whole bunch of Spanish players, and practice style was different. We did a lot more individual ball skills. It was a much more relaxed environment, um, and he was honest with me. He, you know, he was just like, you know, you really got to improve your, your ball skills, so show up early. We'll work on it. And then I started to notice, like, that season, I was I always played defense growing up, and I was much more comfortable on the ball going from, like, ninth grade summer into sophomore year. And then the high school season, my sophomore year, I went off. I had a, I played forward. Usually I was playing for club. I was playing defense. But in high school, um, Coach Schneider would put me at forward, and I had a really good season. So that really, really built my confidence up. And then I went to a couple, of like, ID camps, college camps, and I did well there, particularly at the Brown University soccer camp. Um, and so that's when I kind of knew, like, okay, maybe you're not going to be that basketball player that you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had a good JV basketball season, too. I ain't going to lie. But, but, <laughs> but soccer was – I definitely started to – know, and then, I, you know, I started to, you know, kind of grow a little bit. I'm not big, but I definitely um, had – Decent strength for my size, and so I was starting to see that on the field. And my confidence just went up after that. So you say, you know, obviously you said you're very young, young years you played goalkeeper, but then would you say about junior high is around when you started to become like a, a, a defensive-focused player? Yeah, really. It was like right when I left Concord. I mean, when I went, left the YMCA and went to Concord, I was like when I, when I first started playing for Concord, I was a backup keeper, and then I was always a sweeper. I always played, you know, we played like three in the back. Yeah, um, yeah. So I was always a sweeper and just always played defense. And then once I got to, once we moved to 11 v 11, which I think was around seventh grade, then yeah. we, I started transitioning. One year I played center back and then I moved to right back. And then that's when you started to notice, like it was with Tony and it was a coach, you know, the technical director for Atlanta United. 
Actually, he's the lane night too. Oh, now he is because the the, the yeah. job is right. Tony Anna is now the lane night two head coach, but he is technical director for lane night. Yeah, so he right. he had to explain. Yeah, yeah. So when we switched to eleven v eleven around sixth or seventh grade, and really it was eighth grade. I can re- really remember that. Like I wasn't really I was depending on my speed um, too much and didn't have the technical skills at that time, and so I was I was released. And then once I, it kind of like put some, a fire under me because I was like, what? Like I got released and I was mad. And so then I just started to train a lot on my own. And I'd always had a ball at my feet because I was kind of like, okay, if I'm not good technically, I need to always have a ball at my feet. And so when I moved over and started really playing with this, it was really when I started playing with like these twins, Misa and Abel. Um, and then Alfonso was a coach. And then Michael Bonilla was his son. And Kat, you know, I think Cassie came over. But playing with them really, really, really changed my game because I got to see how they played. And I remember a couple, the first couple games I was playing with them, I would kind of kick the ball along. It wasn't really keeping it. And the, the Twins were like, we're all kind of small here, man. You got to keep the ball on the ground. And I even can remember when I first joined that team, they weren't passing me the ball because I would lose it. And so I kind of, I was like, what? what's going on? I asked them, I was like, why don't you pass me the ball? And they were like, because you're losing it. <laughs> then I made it. I was like, "All right, you you should never be losing the ball." And another huge change for me was, it was like, I think it was ninth grade summer when I started watching. Like we, my mom got Fox Soccer Channel, so then I started watching the game and started seeing how defenders played, particularly AC Milan, and they had like Cafu and Maldini and Nesta, and you know, they were clean, and all the defenders were like the defenders were just as good as everybody else. Like, yep. So I started this Nesta in particular, and I started to kind of try to be like them and be like a defender who had ball skills. So as I as I kind of went through high school, my ball skills definitely developed, which helped me, you know, kind of become a attacking right or left back. All right, so it, it I would be I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask this part. So obviously, someone who's coming from DC from Atlanta metro area and being of color. How was your journey being a kid, you know, of color coming through these programs? You know, you talk about Concord, you know, and you didn't say this, but you went to Westminster, which mm-hmm. is, um, <laughs> y'all know anything about Westminster in Atlanta, like Westminster's campus will rival any college campus out there and their endowment is ridiculous. Um, but you know, to come from you know Sandy Springs era area, uh, Concord, Westminster, to be a kid of color playing a game of soccer, how was that journey for you? Like I mean, like what were the battles that you did you have explicit battles that you had to deal with racially? Did you have explicit battles that you thought to yourself only or you didn't realize until you got older? How was that journey for you in that regard? Mm-hmm game of soccer i mean honestly i I didn't really i didn't experience any overt racism i think a couple times i heard the n-word on the field um but in terms of my coaches like when i got to concord i was coached by it was this girl named becky and then i forgot and then it was um jimmy jewel who was the love it uh head coach awesome coaches and then i was another coach who was cool but he was only the coach for one season and then it was robert douglas 
and this guy is the man. Like he's yeah. the man. He ended up yeah. moving to, I think he's like a top chef somewhere and on the West Coast area. So he was great. And then Tony was my coach, and he's a good coach. And we eventually like our relationship sort of went downward just because he didn't necessarily value me as a player. I didn't necessarily, I don't think it had anything to do with um, race at all. He just was trying to put together a good team. And then I moved to, um, for club, I moved to what's now Forsyth Fusion. And Alfonso was a coach who was Colombian, cool dude. And then also we then brought in this this dude who also who played for like Kenya. His name was Val, Valentine Odongo. So it's like African dude who played for Inter Milan at some point. And so my coaches were great. They were great. And then in high school, my coaches, like in, in junior high, it was Mr. Koch, who was like one of the most, most popular teachers and coaches. He was a football coach, but he would coach soccer, and he was just a cool dude. And then it became Coach Schneider. And me and Coach Schneider, we beefed a lot because I, you know, kind of my attitude wasn't great, I'll be honest. You know, I always wanted to win, and I, and I definitely played hard, but I wasn't always the best practice player. And so he was always riding me a lot. And But – he was, you know, he's too smart to be racist. <laughs> wait for it, wait for it. <laughs> practice, practice. No, no, so, no, no. Let me get my charge just a minute. Let me, let me get my, my no, What's funny is reminding me of that is that lately, you know, obviously I haven't been on the podcast in a few weeks or whatever. And so during this time period, I've been watching the All or Nothing Tottenham edition. And, um, you know, now, you know, obviously the focus is Jose Moreno. And it's funny within, I think it was the second or third episode where he talks about, about Dele Ali. And the first thing he says after the first training session with Dele Ali, he's like, Dele Ali, I can tell you're a shit practice work. <laughs> you don't, you don't fucking practice. Like, <laughs> you don't train. You're the worst. You're la- no. He said you're a lazy practice player or something like that. I think that was the exact words that he said. You're a lazy practice worker or whatever. Is that a fair assessment of you two? No, no. It just depending on the drill. Depending on the drill. Once it was game time. <laughs> once it was game time, I was playing hard. Um, so, you know, with Coach Schneider in particular, some of the stuff I just kind of disagree with, and I was just like a young kid who was going through puberty, so I always had something to say. And actually, I don't know if I had something to say, but I always had a feeling or whatever. And, um, and so that was probably, probably the reason. Like, I trained pretty hard, and then I played really hard. Um, okay. So, so – Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, so, like, with my coach, with, with the, in terms of, like, race and soccer for me growing up, I, I didn't really I – and mean, maybe there was some underlying stuff, but it wasn't really – Affected like I wasn't like oh I wasn't playing because I I was black that never I never experienced any of that. There's a lot of stuff that I think that when you're in the moment, like especially like when you're growing up, it's like you don't think of it as racist, and then like you look back, you're like you know what, that shit was fucked up, man. Fuck that bitch, man. You you guys gotta realize something, which which this is a really important thing. My mom was me and my mom are close, and so she really really would shield me from a lot of stuff. And you know, I'm a single, you know, raised by a single mother, and um, so what she did was was really interesting because at at some point around ninth grade, like a bunch of the black players from Concord were basically kind of moved away, and then the best team in the state were Eagles and Concord, and the best players came from the Eagles to Concord, and some of the black players 
I went over to Forsyth, like James and John and a couple others, they went to Lightning for a year. And then we all came to Forsyth Fusion together. So if you looked at our Forsyth Fusion team, 10 of us were black. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a all white team at all. And then we were then we were coached by Alfonso, who was Colombian. And then Karim, too, who was, was also was coaching, I think, Georgia State at the time. Um, and he's Turkish. And then we had Valentine Odongo, who was um, from from Kenya. And so the, the white people on that team were the minority. All right. So fast forward, you have a, a successful enough high school career, although you did lose to us. Uh, and anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just let y'all know that me and Tuz go back and forth about. <laughs> He's straight lying. He's straight lying. Two. <laughs> promise you, he lied. Just so y'all know, I coached against Toos in my early years of coaching. No way, man. No so, way. What, so what was the scouting report? Like, That's what I'm saying. He don't remember not one thing. He don't I don't remember, remember him. That's, that tells you how insignificant he was. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Damn, man. <laughs> no way, man. No way. But like in, in, in order for the time and everything like that. So Tuz obviously has a successful enough career, plays at the next level, goes to college, and Tuz goes to Providence and Rhode Island. So Tuz, your time at Providence. Please shoot my pride my time at Providence was filled with a lot of ups. Well, ups and some downs too. You know, I definitely was partying in college. Two I got up from two downs. And <laughs> <laughs> down, like you know, I, I got in a lot of trouble in, in Providence, but the coaching staff, you know, they they're kind of like kind of like Utah, like you know, even when I when you became the boss, and maybe I was not doing as well with soccer in the streets, but you didn't really give up on me. The same thing happened with Providence College, in particular Shaka Daly, who's now the coach of Michigan, and John Mark and Craig and then Coach Dave. The coaching staff at Providence were just cool people. They cared about – it seemed like they – I know they cared about me as a person. And so particularly freshman year, you know, I was just kind of partying after the season and got into a little bit of trouble. And, you know, they didn't – they never gave it. They were like, but, you know, you got to stay here over the summer. You got to work on, like, your fitness level. And so that's what I did. I, I was Every summer at Providence, I stayed. And I ran every day, with the, twice a day. I was training with Coach White in the weight room. And so even though like, I definitely got in a lot of trouble off the field, um, I, de- I definitely kind of countered that with, like, showing them that I was willing to put in the work. And so my level of training definitely changed. And, and I, also, I was also around a lot more higher-level players, and so I had to train. And some of the – and one of the, the older players who co- Coach Shaka sort of, like, had, added me as a mentor, or he was, like, my mentor was Ryan Maduro. And he was like one of the best players to ever come through Providence College. And so we would work, like we were assigned in the weight room together. And so, so seeing Maduro work, seeing those Portuguese work, I mean, Providence is filled with Portuguese. Like East Providence is filled with a whole bunch of Azorians. Same with um, Bristol. Um, and those Portuguese, like the Azores is where Cristiano Ronaldo is from. It's kind of considered like kind of the hood part. It's like in the islands, all that. Those guys work. A lot of their fans work with their hands. And so you couldn't like, you know, when I started to train with them, like they were like, Yo, you know, I, I had to, to start working hard because, you know, I just kind of wanted to, to fit in with them. And, and so that, that's why I'm a, I'm a, a big Porto fan, even though a lot of the coaches and my friends up there are Benfica fans. Maduro was a Porto fan. And so progress was cool. It was, 
looking back, it was, I, I love the city too. It took me a while to adjust. It took me a while to adjust to that environment going from where I'm from here and having a solid group of friends to going up to college and then having to adjust to that environment, which was just, it was different at first. It, it really was. And it took me, it took me like a couple of years to, to sort of so, get you. Let me ask you this. I'm, and I mean, I'm still trying to be mindful of time, Gregor, don't worry. But, but at the same time, like I know in the conversations that you and I have had with Coach Shaka when we were at the coaches convention, the United Heart Coaches Convention or whatever. And one of the things that still stands out in my mind that Coach Shaka said about you was that what stands out in his mind was that your commitment, when you were trying to come back and prove yourself to the team and that you had like these notes that you had for each player on an eat on on the team when you I think it was like a um, maybe it was like um, it, was in, it was my last speech like we yeah. had yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. so like my senior year the banquet after the season we know we have that banquet and so the seniors all get up and speak. And they say whatever they got to say. And so I stood up and sort of thank all the people who really helped me out, which is the coaching staff and a lot of people in the administration too. And then I went around to each of my teammates and I had like, I compared each of my teammates to like a player on the field. So like, like Mark Centron, a really a great right winger for um, Providence College. I compared them to Joaquin and then Justin Kill was Maldini. So everybody had like a player, one of my you know players that I probably used to follow. That was my my end of the season speech, and it went it went well. I left that speech was good because I kind of left on a good note. Well, I, th- I think, and I think the reason why I'm saying that is because your attention to detail to your teammates and the care that they probably don't notice that you're paying attention to them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I say that you know, as someone as a colleague with you or whatever, like that's, <laughs> that's something I love about Zeus is like. Attention to detail. He's paying attention. We don't think he's paying attention to everything. And so I wonder, you know, as some of, and obviously I played with you in these adult league games or whatever, and you definitely pay attention to people's weaknesses. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. It's easy to do that. Everybody gets exploited in 5v5. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, Tuz, thanks again for coming on the show, man. You know, we we appreciate you having it. You know, we hope we can get you to come on here more frequently, too. And hopefully, you know, we have definitely exercised your discomforts with this and your coolness. To, to I am. This was cool. I didn't, you know, when you called me, I was like, no. I was thinking, no. And then I was like, no, we were trying to get you on for a minute. And I know this. Oh, I minute. Know, like, 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 at least Baltimore. At least no, Baltimore. No, 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 no. Now, I was, yeah, I was, I was, I was kind of camera shy. I am sort of camera shy. <laughs> and then of course, you come on. And I said, you know, bur- sideburns all scruff. Like, hey, we appreciate it though. We appreciate it though. Appreciate but um, it. but no, uh, you know, we were going to talk about the the home team, and then we realized they got smoked by Nashville. So no, we're gonna go ahead and just bypass all that and just hop up and um, hop up into up to down. Of course, first off, before we do that, shout out to Warren Cravell. The Black Lives Matter shirts that that's been seen in all the MLS games. Uh, mine came in a couple weeks ago. Wonder I'll wrap it real quick because, of course, Black Lives do matter. They still matter. They always gonna matter. Don't trip on that shit. It's okay. It's quite all right. And especially, it's a very nice shirt. It's a very nice shirt. It is nice. But um, but yeah, uh, 
uh, just a little bit of housekeeping. Order out for ftcutd.myshopify.com. It's been a crazy month um, uh, getting back and forth to Duluth. Uh, we had to change our vendors for our name set. So uh, everyone that's been patient, appreciate your patience. Everything's um, on, on its way out. Um, those of you who are in Atlanta, hit us up on the socials, and uh, we can work out ways to get up with y'all directly and all that good jazz. Um, but, yeah, uh, two up and two down. Um, I'll show you how, how, how this works here, too. So I'm going to go ahead and um, and jump up in, this, um, up in this here first. Oh, Greg, are you going first? Yeah, man. I'm doing this. <laughs> oh, uh, first um, is a quick up um, uh, troops from uh, for those of you who don't cap follow Arsenal, Arsenal fan TV uh, one of this uh, Arsenal supporter got a huge following on the socials he just announced last week that he is uh, coming over to the stateside moved to New York doing a show granted it's with Barstool I'm not everybody has a lot of different um, crazy feelings about Barstool I find it very interesting that comment. Yeah. Um, I find it very interesting that they're getting into soccer in this way. Um, especially with it being a black soccer show, essentially. And, you know, it's, so it's kind of, it's kind of weird that, you know, it's cool, but at the same time, it's like, huh, it's, it's one of those, uh, type of reactions. So, um, I'm very, at least intrigued to see like like what they do with it and if they do give it any proper respect and justice because they're they're so the same outlet that has like a a podcast called the N Word Show so it's like yeah like it's yeah yeah it's, it's real and um, so I'm happy for him like I said but um, yeah hopefully they, they do right by him because you're you're bringing a guy from England over here to stateside and. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, another, another up, Naomi Osaka won the U.S. Open uh, this past weekend. Uh, you know, she's been repping for all the victims of police brutality uh, throughout the whole tournament, wearing her COVID mask with different names. Uh, Amal Arbery, Bianca Taylor, um, different uh, different names and, and that. And, um, you know, I, I thought it was very – I thought it was very telling like the that she was asked like after the tournament was over, like what type of message does she want to give? And like it was a white dude to ask this question, of course. And you know, she kind of brought it right back to him. It's like 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 how do you take take the um the message of, of the mask? Like is it's not really about us, it's about how the you know, white people and other non people of color that that are looking at this like like how are you interpreting this and say like are you is it making you think? So making you say like, "Hey, why is this happening?" Like, you know, because like we're about to go into into a down um, just a second, but you know, we we're hoping that you know, even with the ones that that are still happening, that eventually people understand that police brutality is an issue that really plagues everyone. It's not just black and brown people. It's actually white people as well. If you actually look, if you really look into it, and I think that there's a there's a very big misperception that it's only us, and it's something that really needs to be addressed entirely. You know, so you have some cities who are talking about defund the police. You have some, you know, trying to figure out ways to make 
the community relationship between citizens and law enforcement better. I'll have all the answers on that. I know that there's a shit ton that could be better there, but it's definitely good that, you know, she's bringing that type of awareness and she found her way to, to uh, make that work. Um, and on that note, um, my first down is the fires out, out on the West coast. Um, have y'all, have y'all seen the pictures like in San Francisco and in LA? Like, bruh, it looks like, have you ever seen Blade Runner? Yo, that shit is like, is apocalyptic, man. Like, yeah. Mad Max. I feel yeah. like it's Mad Max shit, man. For real. There is like legit, like side by side comparisons to like San Francisco and Oakland to Blade Runner, like the orange skies. Like, you're talking about like, like, you have like uh, baseball games and it's to run by because, you know, it's, the sky is orange because it's just the fires are just that heavy. And like, I matches our president's skin tone. <laughs> <laughs> but, find a lot. But yeah, <laughs> uh, obviously, we give our well wishes to everyone that's that's dealing with that out on the West Coast. All, all of our listeners out there in Cali, Washington, I think it's like the center of, of the Oregon and Washington as well. It's like that. Like, Oregon, it's, it's, man, like, it's ridiculous. It's, like the yeah. air quality is bad. It's just. It's, 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 That's what I'm talking about, Larry. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> See, there you go. But, uh, we're, we're keeping it. <laughs> but, um, like I said, but, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, yeah, like, like I said, y- y'all continue to be safe out there. You know, you're already wearing masks, so I'm not sure, like, what else, um, can be done out, out there right now. It's just, it's, it's surreal to see, but um, on uh, last day, actually, no, one, one more up real quick because we we just hit the one year anniversary of the first Henny Derby out in Richmond uh, last year. Miss you guys, River City '93, other some flamingos, the flock, Red uh, Red River, uh, SG up in Richmond. God, like it, it's it's crazy. It's been a year, yeah, and like I literally had it on my calendar to oh, go. Bruh. Right, like it's it's one of those things that cause we just posted on the socials up earlier today, and it's like it's crazy like how much things have changed in just that year where you have people who are hugging, you know, sharing watermelons. Yeah, <laughs> see, don't do it, don't do yeah. it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Y'all send the culture back. Um, but um. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where just to see like where we were then to where we are now, where you know you can't, you can hardly ever see your friends' faces in person because you got your mask on. You don't know if they smile, you don't know if they mean mugging, you don't know what 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 the deal is. But you know, hopefully, we all link up together again very soon. I guess at some point next year, and you know, we and we, and we do this right because yeah, like we still got a movement to that that we're all that we're all working on together. Um, but yeah, last last down, like we was, uh, mentioned, um, the police brutality. There was an incident down here in Clayton County with uh, it was a guy riding Uber. He wasn't even driving the car, but he's the one beat up by police because because the tail light was out. I'm like, it like it's not even like, your car. <laughs> multiple punches, like it's seriously. not even it's not even your car. It's not even 
like how do, how does it get from that to you're on the ground getting beat up by police? Uh, thankfully, Clayton County has already fired that police. But I'm like, yo, just, just like with uh, Brianna Taylor, she just got her settlement. Uh, her family just got a uh, settlement for twelve million dollars. I'm like, no, like we have to hold police more accountable to the bullshit that they do. And just, you know, paying the families is one thing that's all well and good. But at the same time, police have to be held to a higher standard because they're supposed to protect people. They're supposed to, supposed to protect us. And it, when you're not doing that and when you're just basically just jacking folk up just because you can and because you're the police, that's just not right. So we still got more to do. Like we said last week, we really don't even have have. We can't even wait until November like that because shit is still happening now. So hopefully whoever's out there that hears our voice, keep calling your representatives, keep calling your police stations and like, yo, do better and arrest and arrest the cops that, that killed Brianna Taylor. What you got? So you want to give us a shot, uh, too? So you, got, you got this? You ready? So you want to go or you want me to go? You go first. All right. I'll go. All right. So continuing my theme of staying positive with my two up and two down. Staying positive, people. Uh, not going to be the angry black man or the angry light-skinned black man on this podcast. Um, but <clears throat> since y'all haven't heard from me in a while, it's been some weeks, some time since I've been recording with y'all. Positive things. I'm a big fan of Lovecraft Country. Big fan. <laughs> I'm just a big fan of Journey Smollett. That's this, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> but Journey, holler at me. Anyway, um. <laughs> she's single now. She's single now. So, you know, I'm just saying. She's single now. Cardi B single. She's a Smollett. She is a Smollett, though. She might, you know. Tell you some stories. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Big, 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 big fan of Lovecraft Country. Nerding out on that. I'm watching all the episode breakdowns on YouTube. Like, I love it. I love the fact that, like, you know, um, uh, Jordan Peele has, you know, executively produced this in the sense of, like, making sure that we are represented within genres that don't normally get represented. And then, two, just like, Shifting that shit. Um, it's crazy that like if if y'all haven't watched Lovecraft Country, it's gonna fuck you up. It's gonna fuck you up in the head on multiple levels because no, it's more than just simple horror shit. It's not just horror shit. Um, it gets into the lob, the historical stuff that are factual because they do reference you know what happened in Tulsa. Uh, it does reference. Just many of the things that have gone with it within the civil rights uh, battles. Um, it's great. I love it. And so I've been nerding out, and, and I'm a kid in a candy store waiting for the next episode each time. And I'm watching mm-hmm. all these YouTube breakdowns of each episode where I feel like a nerd on that. So uh, my up is Lovecraft Country. Keep it going. I want more. I hope the funding and more episodes and I hope it never ends. So there's that. Uh, also with that too, because I've been uh, 
loving uh, the show The Boys on Amazon Prime as well, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, it's a weird take on superheroes and everything like that. And especially lately, they really get into the take of representation with superheroes. Mm. <laughs> so the fact that like they were like, they even say like, yeah, 93% of the superheroes are white. You, but you know what though? Uh, I saw something on the socials. Um, I think it was last week. How like how there's like an image of Superman. How America wants him to be perceived, and then like the main guy and the boys. Like that's how Superman probably is in real life. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing about it is like, I mean, how I and it's funny is y'all don't know. I, I was a school teacher for twelve years, and I taught second and third grade, and a lot of how I taught reading i was for myself how i learned to read was reading comic books and so comic books is near and dear to my heart and Calvin and hobbs yeah i mean like Calvin hobbs i mean i grew up reading brother man comics if y'all know about that brother man black mm-hmm. dog comic book character actually based in atlanta too um like that's how i learned how to read and so superheroes and comics and everything that's near and dear to my heart um but with the boys and everything like that it's it's been great like some of those issues have been addressed and some of those things are real life to what they had in their actual comics or whatever um so i've been it's been good to to see and now i feel like again it's that same sense of I, i feel like a little kid waiting for the next episode each time on fridays for it to drop um then my third up, like Grego alluded to, or not talked, or not alluded to, but talked about before, was Naomi. Um, fact she won U.S. Open again. Uh, she's a beast. I hope you know. Is it's crazy? It's funny because one of my good college friends, um, he and I were big Serena Williams fans coming up through college, and we were sad to see Serena lose. And we were like, you know, we were talking about the controversy with her last match and everything. But at the same time, I was like, yo, she's still a GOAT. But at the same time, I'm glad to see Naomi not only, like, win the U.S. Open, but to use her platform, to use her ability to say, yo, look, not only am I going to be a badass and win, but I'm going to let people know about the injustices that are going on. And Naomi is a bad motherfucker. Like, y'all, <laughs> I mean, to be at this age and for her to be winning like this. And I, think, I think her transformation has been very interesting to see. Like, y'all, you know, y'all from- we, we don't appreciate. We're, it's one of those things we're not really fully aware and appreciative of what she's doing right now. Yeah, because like, you go. You you rewind back two years ago when she was beaten, when she beat Serena in the final, and she was just kind of t- quiet and timid, and, and she's quickly found her voice. Well, she yeah, she was like, yo, like she was humble. Yeah. She was humble. Like she's like, yo, I beat my hero. Like, right. That's like me saying I'm gonna beat Jorge Campos. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. You know, like, 
I Fuck. mean, the man is it's literally right there behind you, man. <laughs> Saying though, man, the man's right there. He's on my wall. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like Naomi, to be so young and to be so socially active and connected, like that gives me like so much pride and comfort, and especially being a father to a daughter. Mm-hmm. To know that she has the this type of role model ahead of her, and so Naomi, shouts out to you. She is for the culture. I love her. Keep doing what you're doing. And last thing, um, my last up is my dad. Um, I don't know if I've said this before, but my dad is a cancer survivor, and he's he has survived prostate cancer. And at the age of 75, you can't tell that my dad's gone through what he's gone through. To survive prostate cancer and three heart attacks and just being a black man in America and (laughs) just being a black man in the Southeast. Tell it. Um, You know, he and I have bonded a lot in these last months and years and everything like that and especially like being with them this weekend um i've just really have appreciated uh having him here and i'm lucky and i'm fortunate i know it and the connection i have with them i know that i'm i'm lucky and fortunate and for him to be at the age that he's at He's still like my dad is still running like 30 miles a week. Damn. Exactly. I don't run that shit. <laughs> Three miles. I'm like, <gasps> Mama. <There's oxygen. laughs> running 30 miles a week. And so, you know, he's still my hero. Um, and I just gotta put that out there because you know, every day is not guaranteed. You know, we talk about these young lives that are taken away so early, but at the same time, we got to appreciate what we have here to have survived these stories and these tales for all these years. And we got to appreciate our, our forefathers and foremothers and everything that are here. Like we, we, we take them for granted for so much. And that like my father, he's, I, I have a father that's been here for my whole life. 38 years old. He's been here my whole life. He has been quite active and been here for every up and down of my life. And to say that, like, it, it gives me pure joy that I have a daughter that is connected with him and we have a special bond and unit. And my dad is able to throw her up in the air and tickle her and laugh and joke with her. Nothing can beat that. And I, this weekend with them, it just was one of those moments. It was an aha moment I had that it was just like, I'm lucky and I'm fortunate. And so I don't want to take it for granted. And I got to put it on record it. I got to make sure that it's known to the world that I'm appreciative of what I have. And so indeed, indeed. You know, this, these narratives that this media and everything comes out about, you know, the black culture and fathers especially, especially with black fathers. Um, yeah, my dad was, a, he, he wasn't, 
he wasn't a part of that narrative. So that was my last up. And that's and and don't forget that that narrative is bullshit anyway. So, but yeah, Devi shot one time for the for the for the black dads out here. There y'all go. Uh, you want to give us a shot? Let's say give 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 us give us one two. Give us one. Give us one. <laughs> okay, so my up. A lot of these are work related. So my hey, up. That's why. That's why. Like during COVID, you know, we weren't running our programs for the first part, but. I reconnected with one of my best friends from elementary school named Ralph McDonald at a Westside Future Fund meeting. And so then he's now out there and we're working together to rejuvenate the garden, which I think is important because something happened in Clarkston and some of the local gardeners were moved out and now we're rejuvenating it. And the, the plan is to kind of bring them back in and they're actually now coming back in. So we reconnect with the people who actually built the garden, which is, which is nice. Um, office hours. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Being able to work from home, and our boss just kind of gave us the green light that we'll continue to work from home even after COVID, which is nice. I mean, I'm so much more productive, I'm freer, but at the same time productive. So that's nice. Down. Comment on that. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm 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 doing the behind the scenes. Before COVID, Susan was the main one time. Why are we going to office? We don't need to be working. It's like, man, I don't know. What I meant by that was there's no need for us to be required to go there. But I still think it's a very great location. I will always miss our Georgia State walks. I mean, those are some of the best walks. Some great walks. Some great walks. Yes. Georgia State walks are just perfect. Yeah, for those of you who have this, who don't know where Sacramento Street's location is, like right there by the MLK Center. We yeah, have a he literally shared a parking lot. <laughs> literally, I yeah. love same parking lot as the Martin Luther King Center. Yeah. Great location, great food, awesome all of the walking distance is, is great. I hope we stay in that that area. Um, but yeah, office hours, the garden, and then the down. I just got one down. I missed during the first part of COVID. I thought the world was going to end. And so I moved to ski with my mom because she's she, chief of staff at Tuskegee University. And me and her were having a great time. No one was there. I was running. I was I got in great shape because like all the, the soccer field and the football field, were, were, no one was there. So I had a field to myself. So I, I missed Tuskegee. I, I missed that kind of country vibe a little bit. That's the only kind of sort of, sort of down. Other than that, yeah, that's it for me. Cool, cool, cool. We definitely do appreciate. I know, I know, we've been running long, y'all. We definitely do appreciate y'all sticking with us. Make sure that you catch us on the socials at FTC, UTD, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. We ain't worried about that. Don't worry about that. Um, but yes, uh, make sure you subscribe to YouTube. Throw us some likes. Throw us some comments. Um, actually, I forgot. I, I left the comments that we got. I'm gonna make sure I, I, I share them uh, next week because uh, we actually have been getting some really good feedback lately, and uh, we definitely appreciate everyone that listens, everyone that engages with us on the socials, and yeah, we like to be still having a good time through all this madness. Again, keep wearing your mask, keep keep being smart out out here in these streets, and remember, the rest of cops and Kobe Brown and Taylor. But yes, in the meantime, for Grego, for Coach, for Tuse, for TK, for Shad. For the culture, culture is real, culture is everywhere. We will see y'all soon, and we out.